0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Two Cents Footy Podcast with JP, John and Jeff, And we're on episode six for your best and latest footballing stories, hot topics, insightful chat and review even during the international break. Um, We're going to be looking at Harry Kane, how England have been getting on against Australia and Italy. Doing our special little segment of pie and a pint. And um, looking at uh, a certain Mr. Henderson, Jordan Henderson, who's headed to Saudi. But yeah, firstly, um, John, how are you doing? I'm very well, my friend. I'm very well. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Yeah, still holding on to my Croatian tan uh, a week on, despite the horrendous rain. Um, yeah, JP, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, getting more excited as we get to the end of
1: this. International break and the dooms and glooms of what it holds, <laughs> and the incredible Rugby World Cup. Oh yes, we've had a few crackers of the games over the weekend. Been
0: phenomenal, um, despite Marcus Smith, our fullback for England, getting a fat lip and looking like he's just gone through ten rounds with Tyson. They got the result against Fiji, so. <laughs> But yeah, um, so yeah, firstly, England played Australia and Italy, and we got an amazing 1-0 win against Australia. Uh, It was a tough game, lots of, uh, a bit of experimentation and a few controversial boos, Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we played against Italy with a 3-1 win, and we qualified for the Euros, which is a phenomenal achievement so early on with games in hand. Uh, but yeah what's uh so jp what did you make of england's performances against australia let's start there
1: uh yeah i mean it's the the sole reason why everyone hates the international break it's a, another meaningless friendly and it was a extremely boring game um i mean i guess the good thing is gareth made some wholesale changes to the squad um uh, you've got some of some of the guys so like Ollie Watkins, Bowen, Tamori, Dunk, Colwell, Johnson all getting games, Henderson. Um, so from that point of view, I guess it's quite good that we can see some of those players in action. Um, but for me, I don't think any of them really showed anything that would make Gareth Southgate put them in the starting eleven. to be honest. I mean, there's a couple in there which had solid games. I think Dunk, Cole Will, Ollie Watkins obviously scored, which was good, but for me, none of them really pushed to say, yeah, I'm going to be playing. So, um, I don't know. I guess the question is, does that kind of show us that Gareth Southgate is kind of right in terms of picking his favourites in Maguire, Phillips? Um, And, yeah, is that the reason why he's Going with his trusted players because when he changes it up, they're not really performing.
2: It's what a do you fair think? and yeah, it's a fair and, and valid point. But similarly, you know, you've got the likes of Phillips and Maguire who aren't playing regularly. Keeping the likes of uh, Dunk and I guess that Madison, although slightly different role, what Phillips would play. You know, keeping them out of the squad or out of the team rather. It's interesting if uh, if a clean sheet isn't enough for a defender, then what is? Um, Phillips, you know, putting a bit of a stupid tackle quite early on, got booked. You then, you on ice the rest of the game. Is that the sort of defensive midfielder you want in the team? And this is not me, you know, saying that Phillips isn't good enough. I think he's a great player, but he's not getting enough playing time at Man City to really earn his place at the moment for me. And we've got a, an array of players that could be in that squad uh, ahead of him and also in the team ahead of him. Yeah, Agree
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, you've probably got the likes of James ward in at home tearing his hair out watching that performance last night against Italy because I think Phillips was lucky to stay on the pitch, to be honest, with, like you say, a few clumsy tackles um, against Well, a ref catch that he he's off. But yeah, like you say, it kind of proves that, you know, you need minutes to be playing in the England squad and to stand a chance against the better teams. Um, we probably maybe got away with one... Um, that Italy aren't quite up to the level that we've seen them in, in Euro 2020.
2: No, I think that's a very fair point about Italy. And it's actually quite interesting when you look at the standings in the uh, the Euros groups that Ukraine are really pushing to to get into the, uh, the main tournament ahead of Italy at the moment. And that's going to be a very very interesting watch now that we're qualified. Obviously, we're safe, feeling... yeah, I, I don't know, you guys were feeling rather relieved that we have made it through, but um, Italy have got it all to do still, and Ukraine are in a very good position. I didn't think they would see themselves in this at this point of the uh, qualifiers.
0: Yeah, exactly. Bellingham was incredible, um, which has given us a buffer, in if you like, in a sense where Italy still have it all to do, as you mentioned. And yeah, yeah. just going to Italy like against them. It was just. Crazy pace from, uh, you know, Bellingham 1-2 with Kane uh, for a penalty. Uh, an incredible turn of pace as well to give Rashford an amazing Thunderbolt goal. And then Kane showing lots of strength and composure, fighting off three defenders um, to get in. Um, do you, think, do you think, John, we could actually beat France looking back to our shared experience when we were all in Paris watching England lose against France last time at the World Cup?
2: I don't see why not. I think we were unfortunate to have lost last time. Um, it was obviously a, a, a very unlucky penalty from Kane that you know could have taken this extra time. I think two of many, it was, I believe, who got the first goal it was a well-struck shot from distance. But um, controversial, there was a bit of a foul in the build-up. Um could we beat France now? Yeah, why not? I think you know, I and I'm not saying this as a knee jerk reaction, but I think Jude Bellingham's one of the best players in the world right now. And Harry Kane has consistently proven that he's one of the best forwards in the world. Um so we've got that quality throughout the squad. Why not? Would we drop the
0: Maguire JP?
1: Yeah, I actually think the I mean in the Italy game there's a potentially a couple of a couple of telling signs, I guess. Um, and one of them, I think, was that Mark Guahey came on in the second half. and I know it was for Stones, who's only just coming back from injury. But I guess there's a question there. It probably shows that he's favoured over the rest of the defenders that are in that group. Um, and I guess there's a question. If Maguire's still only getting part-time minutes and Guahey has a good full season at Palace, whether actually in the Euros we do see a stones he in the starting eleven as a defensive pairing. Um, so that's potentially quite an interesting point and maybe something to look out for in the coming season, um, for me, to be honest. So, I mean, I think currently with Maguire and even Phillips in there defensively, you'd be quite worried if you're coming up against the likes of, of France. I think we would still be vulnerable to maybe a, a result like we got last time, just, due to those kind of minutes. So I think there's potentially a couple of solutions. Um, but I don't know, it depends how many minutes sort of Maguire, Phillips get and whether they end up getting moves in January to try and cement their positions. I think if they do, then we'll probably end up still seeing a Maguire, Phillips in the team. But I think where he's one to look out for.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it's a shame that he's not been able to break through and I say that because as a bright fan about Palace player. I think he's um, he's had a great start to the season at club and international level. He's shown that he's got the quality for this. It's it's, 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 it's a surprise that he's not being favoured over Maguire but actually it was Stones's positioning that I think led to Italy's first goal really yeah. Um, yeah. which again is just a bit of, Fitness and coming back in. and Ultimately, it didn't matter in the end, but against teams like France, that can be the difference between board and in a tournament and being knocked out.
1: Yeah, and I guess it kind of links back to what we were saying last week around our midfields. I think this week we had, or not this week, but this um, international break, we had Henderson, who's in Saudi, Phillips and Trent as three of our midfielders and the other three, Rice, um bellingham and conor gallagher were all playing for their club so you've got half of them which should not get much game time one that's potentially in a league that's not that great so those kind of things can potentially sort of add up in terms of those sort of vulnerabilities against those bigger sides
2: yeah i think that's a very fair assessment and uh, on the topic of rice as well he's really gone from strength to strength so and I'd, I'd actually, I'll say about Madison as well. I think both of them have kicked on very nicely in their respective moves to uh, arguably bigger clubs. Not to not to dismiss the fact that they were both playing Premier League football last season as well. At, uh, at very good teams, but they're both showing true class and have somehow gotten better despite only moving in the summer.
1: Yeah, I agree with Rice. I think yesterday he was absolute quality as again in that midfield. Um, I think he's just added so much more to his game now rather than just being someone that tackles and and wins the ball back. He's now sort of getting the ball. He's driving up the pitch with the ball, finding the pass. I mean, the pass he played for um, the goal, our second goal yesterday, was absolute class. It was just a ball in between the lines into June, I think it was. And that pass just made our goal, I think. So, yeah, he's... He's absolute quality to have in that midfield
2: do you chaps think that's Arteta's coaching or do you think it's his natural you know maturing and reading of a game and, and enhancing his own abilities
1: I mean I think it's probably a bit of both to be honest because I kind of saw a little bit of it towards the end of when he was at West Ham um, and he was starting to become I guess that sort of that leadership figure. I think Arteta's definitely probably sort of refined it a bit and will continue to refine how he plays. Um, but I think he seems to have a very good sort of work ethic in terms of always wanting to improve on on his game. So I think towards the end of his sort of West Ham time, he was starting to show signs of it, and I think like we've been saying, it's now just sort of coming to fruition.
0: Yeah, they've just conceded what, six goals in the opening league matches, so there's no, there's less leakage. He thought muller Rice would be good at not leaking, but it seems like he's really good at protecting Saliba and Gabriel, which suggests it's it's a perfect slot in. And yeah, it's it's the work ethic from really strong, aggressive Arteta techniques and if you just see the documentary on Prime, you can see how he tries to motivate the players, whether it's a tweet, whether it's his family, uh, whether it is a moment where he lost in the past, he finds any way to get motivation off his players using unorthodox methods. But yeah, I think we're also yeah we we might as well say we're we're endorsing Miller Rice. That's a good little protein. <laughs> Carb combo. Other rices are available. And yeah, a bit of, bit of basmati. So yeah, England on the way. And that seamlessly takes us up to the border. Uh, Hadrian's Wall. Scotland have qualified for uh, the Euros. And uh, yeah an it, it it's incredible isn't it on a technicality based upon the result with Norway and Spain yeah what what do you what do you guys make of that to begin with i mean yeah john what what do you think of of the initial thought of Scotland getting in
2: uh, it's, it's fantastic for scotland but terrible from a home nations banter uh, standpoint isn't it it's uh, it's, no, joking aside, it's a truly great achievement. And actually, they played it very well in all of the qualifying matches that I've you know, managed to catch of theirs. Um, Tom and E. McGinn and the likes have really been putting in some very good, consistent performances. And, and it's quite interesting because these are players that are uh, or may be slightly less consistent in in previous seasons and whatnot for their respective clubs. McGinn less so, but McTominay's not had as much game time and stuff. But for, for Scotland, he suddenly turns into you know, something completely different. Um, Jeff, not to to jump ahead, but uh, you know, I think you mentioned before we started recording about some of the performances he's put in over the last week or two.
0: Mm. And yeah, we said, may come back.
2: We, we may come at this point, but
0: yes. Absolutely, yeah. It's... Uh... It's getting scarred in here.
2: Ah, <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> I love
0: that. So JP, do you think Scotland could get out of their group based upon the current former players that they've got?
1: Hmm, uh, yes, yeah, an interesting one. And I guess we'll have more of an opinion when we know who's kind of in their group. But I mean, to be fair, their qualifying group wasn't wasn't too shabby in terms of you got Spain and Norway in there um, Spain obviously a very seasoned and very, a world-class team uh, you've got Norway in there with Haaland and Odegaard who respectively are world-class players so for Scotland to become the first team to qualify for Euros and let's find it out between Spain for either top or top spot or second spot you know that's a pretty good achievement. So I think they should go into into the competition with plenty of confidence. If you're going into Spain's group and they even beat them 2-0 in their second game. So there's a, there's every chance of them doing it. Um, there's no reason why they can't. Um, but yeah, I guess kind of what John was saying around sort of the players they have, I think they've got quite a good sort of core team in there of sort of Robinson, Robertson, Tierney, McGinn, Che Adams, McTomney, Billy Gilmore. Mm -hmm. And like we're saying, they may not be, I guess, the um sort of the world class players, but they're all very very solid players and they're probably all very good leaders on the pitch as well. Um so I think that could be I guess their strength going into that tournament.
2: Yeah, dogged determination and a lot of heart. Very brave heart, you might say. Yeah. uh... Yeah, no, it is fantastic. a uh, uh, question for you both. Have Norway underachieved?
1: It's a hard one because I think apart, apart from Haaland and Odegaard, I don't know who's in their team. <laughs> this
2: is the problem, isn't it? They've got two, you know, world class players, but the rest of the squad, I guess, doesn't really make up for that. It's not quite the uh, the Belgian golden generation that should have done so much better than it did over the last sort of what, two to ten years. But They've got a couple of players there that you think should be able to turn a game on its head quite nicely, and then they they don't do it as often as what you'd expect or what I'd expect. I think I'm maybe putting too much weight on those two, possibly.
0: It's a strange, yeah. There's almost like a big chasm of gap between them two and the rest. And um, yeah, I mean, just looking at their stats against Spain, only five shots on target, at only five total shots in uh, overall, and only two on target. Limited possession, which just showed Spain dominated completely, uh, with way more passes, way more tackles, and it was just a park the bus situation where Gavi got a goal. Yeah, they they have definitely underachieved, and in fact, they've they've not qualified for a knockout tournament since the year two thousand. And you compare their population against Croatia, for example, who got to semi-finals and finals you know Croatia I'm not just I'm not working for their tourism board even though I went there last week but they've got a population of 3.8 million versus a 5.5 million population for Norway and it's it just doesn't seem proportional and you know you think of Croatia they've got you know Rakitic Modric and a few others but nothing too dissimilar.
2: Yeah, I think um, they've always had at least a few decent footballers. Um, I'm thinking of the likes of uh, David Sukor and players like that quite a few years back. But you're right, that's quite a telling stat, really, that five and a half million people. Um, So it's not the likes of Iceland, who obviously have qualified and quite recently shocked England in the Euros. But uh, it it is a, a strange
1: one. Yeah, sort of almost a little bit potentially like um, Gareth Bale and, and Wales, as well as you've got mm-hmm. sort of like a world-class player in there and they struggle to make major tournaments. It's, um... Well,
2: you say that, but what was, I think, the difference between, and don't get me wrong here, Bale had Ramsey, he had um, Robson Carnu and, and Wayne Hennessy, a few well-known players, but yep. they pulled themselves into the semi-final of the 2016 Euros, if I'm not mistaken. And Bale on more than one occasion has, not to make a pun here, but Bale's <laughs> well's out. Um, he he would be the sort of player that would turn a game on his head. And actually, I think he was probably quite underrated, uh, particularly at Madrid. I don't see Ireland doing that for Norway as such. Um, that's not the type of player he is, but Erdegaard is a really top-quality footballer but again, isn't quite Doing that for Norway at the moment. And, and don't get me wrong, they're both young, there's still a chance for them to do that. But Bale really did drag that Wales team into places that they hadn't been previously. And as I say, semi-finals were a major tournament as Dizzy Heights that a nation of Wales' size should really only be dreaming of. But actually, you look at the squad, look at the players. It's um they they probably achieved what they could have or should have because they had some very good players and they came together at the right time.
0: So yeah, Scotland have uh, have got away scot free because they lost four one against France. In a friendly, so they they made it count against Cyprus and um, we have yeah it's just fantastic to see people like Robertson and as we said McTominay actually getting some major international tournament experience not just sort of scraps of their club. If uh, if you kept,
2: if you chaps on a bit of a Scottish throwback, just in your own time, check out Archie Gemmell's goal against, I believe it was Holland in 78. I was a Scottish player. Uh, my dad used to say to me, it was one of the greatest goals he's ever seen. And, I, you know, for an English person to say that is, you know, quite something, but worth a watch to any of the listeners, and to you guys out there. What year was that? I think it was 1978. 1978.
0: A little bit before our time. <laughs> and the only one I remember is Alan Hansen's own goal in maybe it was the Euros from That's like the halfway whole nice people line. People to see. <laughs> yeah, it was a worldie. but yeah, well done to Scotland. So moving on to a pie and a pint. Just hand it over to you, John.
2: For those of you that uh, weren't able to listen to the last episode we have with the Pine of Pine intro, we have come up with this idea, well, so it may have been my wife, but we have taken the credit for it. Um, a player over the last week or two, as we last recorded, which we would like to buy a pint to say congratulations. This could be for a specific achievement on the pitch or off the pitch, it could be for general performance, you know, dealer's choice, uh, and a player that we would effectively for a pie up. Um we're not condoning that sort of behavior, but sometimes people don't put the performances and deserve a nice guest pie, steak and ale pie, chicken and mushroom pie, you you take your pick, uh served up from distance onto their head. So uh without further ado, who is going to be your pint and who's going to be your pie? And uh we'll let we'll let the host start. Jet, who are you gonna go with?
0: Thanks, John. For me, uh, actually, this this leads quite nicely back to where we were. So, my pint of the week will be Scott McTominay. It's so hard not to call him Scotland McTominay, but that is going almost too far. Captain He's Scotland. been <laughs> captain of Scotland. It's it's just so good. He's been exceptional for Scotland, um, giving them a goal and assist against Cyprus. Uh, providing a lot of width uh, and pace, and also provided a brace against Brentford, which has which could recover Man United's season. And uh, it's quelled the thought to sell him, which has entered into Eric Tanhard's mind over the summer. So that will be a, a pint of 0.0% Guinness. And on a pie, it will be... We might be sharing this one. We will will find out shortly. But uh, yeah, that is going to be for Norway. Uh, For what we have just said, it's crazy how this is all combined quite nicely. Uh, It's as if
2: we planned it.
0: (laughs) It's as if we planned it. So they're going to get a chicken bolty pie, which is quite painful when it's got some giblets in it. Uh, Yeah, as we said, for the efficiency uh, of of their team uh, and uh, with the population that they have it was it feels like an underachievement yeah so that's my pie in a pint um, back good to you John stuff.
2: good stuff on your point of Scott McTominay uh, six goals in six games in the Euro qualifiers you don't tend to associate him with uh, being a prolific goal scorer but this season so far even for United he's been really putting in the performances and getting some of the goals so I think a worthy
1: six now it's a six work-
2: He has, he has. I don't know if he's stolen uh, Martial's boots or something, but uh, someone's definitely lost theirs in the United team and he's picked them up. (laughs) Um, He's also picked up one assist in that time as well, so you know, seven involvements in six games for Scotland. is a great, great haul and he's obviously helped pull them through to qualification, so well done that man. Enjoy your 0.0% Guinness. I don't know if that's worse than getting pied or uh, or not but <laughs> well done to him either way uh, jp who are um, you pining and who are you
1: pying so my pint for this week is going to go to a very unknown player called cristiano ronaldo <laughs> oh, okay. yeah just the just small for much for the of Cristiano
2: ronaldo yeah yeah for listeners. <laughs> is, is he some sort of young up and comer or
1: uh... Yeah, he's just the um, the goat of the game. Uh, oh,
0: OK. <laughs> yeah, just think the, think the greatest. We, we
2: might be entering into a future episodes debate
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: You're going to need 10 so... seconds to Wikipedia him, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I'm giving my pint to Cristiano uh, for scoring a brace for Portugal at the, the young old age of 38 years old. So that's going to be my pint. Very good choice. A
2: a, a career to look out for, I think. You know, just starting and whatnot at 38.
1: (laughs) Yeah, plenty of potential in there, I think. Plenty of potential. Who are you
2: pieing, my friend?
1: Um, So, similar to Jeff, I'm going to agree with him on Norway, although Jeff gave a very, very um, backed-up answer in terms of why he gave it to Norway. My simple reason for Norway getting my pie is just simply for gifting Scotland a place in Euro 2024. That is the um, only reason.
2: <laughs> there is no love lost between the home nations on this podcast, is there? <laughs> <laughs> Just
1: friendly banter. They would do the same for us.
2: <laughs> I'm sure they would. Although I think uh, the last time the Scots came to visit England for a football game, there was a certain flair placed in a certain place in court on camera that I'm hoping will be recreated for the Euros. If you haven't checked it out, then I think it's a Google jobby, but it is a not suitable for work. Reference there, I'm going to give you all for that one.
1: I think uh, they're still to... on the high from beating us nil nil at the Euros last time as well.
2: <laughs> I did <just> forget that <laughs> outstanding nil nil victory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm I'm glad that we've decided to uh make enemies of a whole nation. <laughs> Thank you very much, chap. Um, Never go north of the border.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've opened the door, haven't we? Mm-hmm. We
0: have we closed yeah. it because we can't get in, but yeah. <laughs> um
2: Enjoy. You know what I'm I'm gonna give it a clean sweep on the pying here and I think Norway. Um I don't I don't think that they are achieving the levels they could, and I don't think they've got the the not got a great squad. we yeah, we discussed this, but I think that they've got a couple of players in there who if they don't get to a couple of major tournament finals are gonna look back on their career and it's gonna be very much uh, a shame that they never did um so yeah norway is for me on the pie front on the pine um similar to jp it's a relative unknown on my side of things uh the the true goat of the game one line or messy <laughs> and uh, i certainly haven't picked this just for the controversy of having a debate open up for a future episode but uh two goals against peru overnight and in fact, at one point, he, he took on the same defender four times, and I can only describe it as borderline humiliating. Um, uh, he's he's, what, he's now thirty six, and he's still running rings around players. He's this my sounds like
1: wasted energy, John. <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? it
2: does, yeah, it's all for show. He's playing this silly, you know, street football while Ronaldo's bagging goals. For fun, but uh, I think um, Messi's now within two goals of um, of the uh, the second top scorer international level. Uh, the the Iranian, I believe it's Ali. Um, I may have got that wrong, but yeah, it's, it's it's too too good of an opportunity for me to not take Messi when I know that JP's gone for Ronaldo. So that's the truth of it here.
0: It's very symmetrical, doesn't it? Ballon d'Or winners for pretty much. Borrowing Benzema the past 10 to 15 years.
2: Well, that's a very lovely segue, Jeff, because Benzema being in the Saudi leagues brings us on to our next topic absolutely beautifully. Oh, oh
1: I love oh, seamless yeah. transition.
0: You just... Who needs
2: a jingle over the top when we've got transitions like this?
0: Like a, like a, like a waxed otter that's had loads of hair gel. It's uh, <laughs> absolutely breezing through the stream. Well, that brings us on... Uh, See a point a point that was that was excellent from um, this week. Obviously, we we have actually none of us have picked Bellingham or Kane, which is quite telling if we had planned that. Yeah. But uh... I think Bellingham's
2: got to a point, and you know I, I, I mentioned this again already, but he for me is one of the best players in the world. He I am going to go out on a limb and say he will win a Ballon d'Or in the next five years at most. The way that he's playing. I think if he has a good tournament with England and England achieve something, uh, and obviously if Madrid do, uh, he's an absolute shoo-in. But I have no idea how a player of that age can have that level of maturity. Mm, he was yeah. rallying the crowd up points last night in the first half when we were one down. Before he won the penalty, when he won the penalty, he knows what to do, when to do it. Um, the way he won the penalty, the pass for Asher, he is just... an Unbelievable footballer. So yeah, I think pint? because we need to keep him in top shape. That's the only reason I don't want to give him a pint or a pint. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think he, he's one of those players. He, he's one of those players that where he can just he can just grab the game by the scruff of the neck and make something happen. Um, a couple of the bits of play last night, and I think it was for, it was for Rashford's goal. Um, won the ball in our half. Got the ball, drove forward with it, played the pass, then made the run to create um, Rashford the space. It's just, yeah, it's just absolutely phenomenal at the age of twenty that he's doing things like that.
0: Yeah. with mm. maturity and, and yeah. um, a good role model.
2: And we'll talk about Kane later on, so we won't inflate that ego just yet. But uh, it is to come.
0: So yeah, uh, a segue into, um, well, from Jude Bellingham to Jordan Henderson. Who obviously was playing for England as well. It's been a, a tumultuous week for Hendo, so he has now admitted that he had moved to Saudi Arabia partly for financial reasons, which, you know, to one extent is understandable. And uh, yeah, has been slightly criticized by, um, you know, several pundits for his uh, views of going to Saudi Arabia, you know, which is sometimes uh, a little bit controversial um, towards certain minorities. We won't mention too much into that. Uh, obviously, he's been at Al uh, Etifak joining Jeannie Walnauden, his former Liverpool um, midfield partner. And it's it's been, you know, somewhat a successful move for him, but it has resulted in quite a lot of controversy, including booing uh, at Wembley. I mean, JP, since, you know, Hendo is sort of Sunderland born and bred, um, or at least has roots there, do you think he... His criticism is fair or unfairly received.
1: um Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously a whole array of things surrounding players going to Saudi Arabia, and I, I won't to touch too much in terms of the whole sort of I guess political side of things. Um, however, I will discuss sort of the financial and I guess football side of things, and whether I tend to agree or or my thoughts around that. Um, for me. I don't find the whole financial thing a huge problem. Um, Reason being, for me, the Saudis are already in the Premier League. They're already in Man City. They're in Newcastle. Technically, they're already lining the likes of Walkers, Trippier's, Stones, Pockets for playing for those clubs. So for me, I can understand why he's gone out to Saudi Arabia towards the end of his career and be like actually this is you know, I'm getting towards the end of my career final payday I mean so in terms of that perspective I guess that's what I'm kind of thinking I mean I know sort of going out to Saudi Arabia when they're they're offering tons of money is slightly different to them coming into Newcastle and having to abide by I guess what's going on in the Premier League but for me, the fact that our own sort of governance structures within the UK have let the sallies into those clubs, I, I can kind of understand. I just kind of don't underget the whole financial issue around it. Um, however, from a football perspective, I do think I don't necessarily agree with that. I think the whole standard of the game out there isn't great. Um, and how he can still get picked in an England side under that sort of standard of football, I think, is questionable. And I think, come the Euros, I would be surprised if he's still in the squad. Um, having said that, he's played more minutes than Calvin Phillips, so there is probably an argument to say actually he should start over Calvin Phillips. Um, and also, he, I think he has he does have good sort of like leadership qualities that he could bring into. The changing room, um, but that's just sort of my, I guess, initial thoughts around the, those kind of points in terms of the move.
2: JP is thirty three. The end of your career?
1: I mean, if it's Wayne, Rowley, yes, point, <laughs> <but yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we, we mentioned Ronaldo and Messi are still, you know, yeah. at national performing. To that thirty three, is that the? the latter it's the latter end but is is that the end of someone's career in your opinion
1: um no i don't think it's it's the, i guess it sort looks of like your last sort of few kind of years i think if you're sort of, like you say like ronaldo and messi they were still doing it at 33 um so yeah it in, in fact let me rephrase is jordan henderson still good enough at 33 to be playing in the premier league I would, yeah, I would still say he is, and I actually, I would say he'd still do a job in the championship. I was kind of hoping he'd come back to Sunderland at some point. (laughs) I
2: I think that's what the more fitting move would have been at this point. Um, Yeah, and I agree with everything you said about the financial side of things. Footballers' careers are short. they generally have somewhere between sort of 15 to 20 years to actually secure financial stability. And don't get me wrong, they earn well, but they're earning well for a much shorter time than what the likes of you and I are in our you know, regular sort of jobs. Um, but one bad injury and that all comes to an end. So I don't have issue with players thinking about their financial security. Um, it's just a shame that a player that can still do a job and also has very good leadership traits and qualities Decides to not, I guess, pass that down to a next generation of talented players within a competitive league. So, I also agree on your point about it being a shame that he's playing in the Saudi league, where I think they're averaging, might be wrong here, less than a thousand viewers a game uh, in yeah. the stadium. Um, so, you know, it, it is a real shame um, that. Some of the quality players that have moved there are not getting the same reception as they were in the likes of, you know, Premier League, Bundesliga, League, and uh, wherever they come from. But I, I saw a quote from Igalo, um, the you know former Watford and United striker, who said, "We play for the money, bro, in the Saudi League." So <laughs> if if players are going to be honest about it, then the criticism runs thin. It's when they say we're here for the passion, we're here for the quality that you you sort of think. Well, where are they? Because I've not seen them in the admit, admittedly limited amount of, of Saudi League football that I've watched.
1: Yeah, um, and just on that on that point around the the stadiums, I watched a couple of sort of highlights around the games and the atmosphere and just the whole feel around the game. Just there's just no atmosphere like you were saying, and so yeah, it's the only reason they could go out there. Is for the money, and I think it's like say so you'd rather them just be honest, be like, yeah, actually, I'm just out there for the financial situation. It's definitely not for the for the football, for the atmosphere, for the whole thing they've got going on. So yeah, yeah, agree there, with
2: that. There was also comments of them trying to grow the game in Saudi, you know, and and if that is the case, then fine, but that's not worked as a short term spike in viewership. So. What more do they need to be doing to actually grow it out there? Um, I'll, you know, maybe controversially say, I don't think Jordan Henderson will be the difference between people watching and not watching in the Saudi league. Ronaldo, absolutely. Even, you know, Mane, Benzema, definitely. Uh, Neymar, absolutely. But Henderson is a bit of an odd one because it's not making me tune in every weekend. And, you know, JP, as a Sunderland fan yourself, I guess you're still not... (laughs) Quite sort of drawn to the league because of Jordan Henderson, are you? Oh,
1: no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, no. the, I think the biggest controversy
2: around it, and you know, I'm very conscious of not getting into this too much, is because of how much Henderson has stood up for, you know, the wearing the pride captaincy bans and standing up for minorities and whatnot, and then has moved to a country that obviously has different beliefs of that. Mm. Um, people's beliefs are their own, and that goes. Right the way from national and, and religious levels all the way down to individuals. I don't want to go into that. I have no place to tell people what they should or shouldn't think. I think the double standard of it is where it's a real shame. Mm. If a person wants to spend their career promoting something and it turns their back on at the first opportunity they get for a certain amount of money, then you question the, you know, the, the truth of what they've said or done. Previously, and how much uh, belief they actually have in the cause. I, yeah, you know, I don't think that Henderson just said it as lip service to support the things that he has done previously. But I do think that it is worse for somebody like him to have gone there than it would have been for someone who was very uh, impartial or at least not forthcoming in their opinion and stances on things. So you know, it's it's. All I will say on the topic from a pseudo-political standpoint, as I say, people are entitled to believe what they want. We will all have our own opinions on this. But if I sat here and said, I believe X, Y, and Z, if you pay me enough, I'll go against everything I believe in, I would expect to be called out and, as we mentioned before, be booed at the international game when coming on or off the pitch, by by home or away fans. Um, that, for me, is the shame of it.
0: In front of 976 fans. And that's the thing, isn't it?
2: You, you can play in front of 976 fans in the Saudi League and you know you might make a fan out of all of those people, but when you're coming back and playing in front of 60,000, it doesn't translate over. The, the competitiveness is not quite there. And the big game feel is not quite there. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I find it a lot easier to play a game of football in front of under a thousand people than I would in front of packed Wembley in a match against Italy. Um, but hey, you know these these guys live a life that we can only ever dream of. So who knows? Jeff, just to round us off, your thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm. Five, yeah, I mean, what was it, five assists. So to your point where the pressure is reduced, could actually be helping him. Uh, Weirdly enough, deliver better stats than perhaps what he was doing at Liverpool. Maybe, to JP's point, he comes back to Sunderland and nurtures Job Bellingham, which ties back our third segment together. But yeah, you also question the integrity of Steven Gerrard. Gini Wijnaldum and, and it, it goes forward um, having said that does he deserve to be scrutinised yes um, is the publicised nature of the Saudi league any good I mean it's it's going to take generations to build because of the, the pyramid but also the, the brand recognition that we have in the UK in England, with you know, your Man United and your Chelsea's to build that reputation which an Al Etifac will not have, and yeah, just to round us off, I yeah, I mean, perhaps he should remain in the England lineup, but you think post 2024 it's pretty dire, I think. Beyond that, we really should be giving our young players more. Uh, Of an opportunity, and even if that means, you know, Phillips has been linked to Newcastle, where he could get more game time. Favourite club, JP, which would mean that could be the permanent replacement for Hendo. But will obviously, maybe he could go into a coaching role as well, or like a player manager role for like a, a club lower down in the English Premier League or English Football League
2: if he's in that England squad because of his personality uh, and the influence he has on younger players around him, should he still be making that squad? You know, Much to Jeff's point, is he taking away someone else's opportunity by being there to not just nurture, um, because he can still put in a performance. And as I said, it's a shame that he has gone to the Saudi league or not just the Saudi league, a less competitive league at uh, you know, an age where he's still capable. But if he's there because he can help with the mentality of the leadership and those sort of things for the other, for some of the younger players or other players in the squad, is that uh, right?
1: Um, I'm going to probably surprise you guys. I'm probably going to argue that he shouldn't be selected for the squad. Um my reason, but in terms of like leadership and and that kind of thing, my reason behind that is, I think when you look at a lot of the team, um, although they're young, they have a lot of major tournament experience already. Uh, if you look at say Declan Rice, um, even Jude Bellingham, um, they've been to sort of major tournaments, and you can, especially in Rice, you can see him now developing as a leader. You've got Saka in there, who's experienced a lot, Rashford, um, John Stones as well, a sort of leader at the back. I would probably argue that the England squad already has enough leaders and who are in form that are already playing. And so I don't think that warrants Henderson to get into the squad just because he has good leadership qualities.
0: And you, Jeff? I think he should stay there until the end of the Euros. And, yeah, for the influence, for the leadership, for the sheer resilience, the belligerence. This experience, um, that could be enough to motivate and provide impetus to finally get over the line, as we nearly did against Italy in 2021 for the Euro 2020 tournament. So, yeah, slightly different view, but still, you know, he will to be approaching thirty five, and that's that's kind of beyond the quality that we have. Uh, what about you, John? Uh,
2: I mean, two very fair opinions, two very different opinions. There. um I certainly lean more towards JP uh, for the same reasons. Rice has led a club to a well, a major uh, European club trophy in the for Conference League. Did it with West Ham last year. He captained the team, uh, so he's got experience in that respect. Also, a bit of a natural leader of that sort of you know, idea as well. Uh, Bellingham, I mentioned his maturity. Twenty years old. You know, I think I saw that a um a reporter said to him at you know you're you're very mature for twenty eight. Hang on, I'm only twenty. So that just shows that no one can really sort of put an age on how you know mentally developed he is. Um, if you're picking a player just based on their, I guess leadership or their influence, you've got a lot of options. So what makes Henderson special? Uh, Lalana does it at Brighton, um, and I'm not saying that Lalana should be anywhere near the England squad. Don't get me wrong. Um, but if that's the basis for picking a player, it doesn't doesn't sit quite well with me. I I, I don't think that he's Integral enough to not be in that team. Um, you know, we talk about Maguire, I think he gets a lot more stick than he deserves. Bringment, he does put in a performance, he's made a few mistakes recently, but actually, I can understand we haven't got the most amount of centre backs to, to provide coverage. So, being in the squad doesn't upset me as much as other people. But Henderson, I don't think, is bringing much more than what other options who aren't getting in the squad could do. So yeah, I, I think, I don't think he should be in the squad uh, given the current level of uh, fitness that he's playing at and the performances I guess that he's he's kind of putting in in those.
0: Mm, yeah, Ugh, it's going to go. <laughs> Could debate for a while, but yeah, thinking about it, it's it, it's a leadership quality, especially given he was wasn't he Liverpool's captain until obviously the move. So then, that will still be almost a mentor for former colleagues like Trent, uh, for example. But yeah, for 700 grand a week, you think, uh, in front of 900 fans, it's not the same beast. But I still I personally think he probably could still play some kind of role, you know, to help get England over the line. It's just depending on what, what's proportionate, I guess.
2: That's the beauty of this. We we don't have all the answers. You know, we we meet, we chat about these things, we debate. Um, it's, it's you know, each their own. And it'd be great to hear what our uh, viewers and listeners think of this. But we're never going to agree on everything. And this is one I think will we'll always divide us.
0: So that brings us around uh, into... Yeah, so Henderson is... Is also thirty plus Kane. Harry Kane is thirty, and uh, as we all know, has moved to Bayern Munich and has had a whirlwind of a performance since he moved there, uh, with nine goals from ten matches and uh, you know a goal involvement every forty-nine minutes since he moved there. It's been what's seemingly already a successful move. Uh, but yeah, we're going to go in on how he's been doing and also you know, see what else, uh, whether it can sustain, whether he could have peaked and whether there are, um, if there's further support he could need or could he dip. So yeah, John, I mean, what was your initial thoughts on his stint so far at Bayern Munich for Harry Kane?
2: He's not bad, is he? <laughs>
0: um,
2: and what a footballer! Uh, I'm, I'm again. I, this might be controversial, it might not. I still think that there's an element of his game that's vastly underrated. Uh, he drops back and can pass the ball like a prime Pirlo when he wants to, and then he goes up the other end and scores goals. And you know, left foot, right foot, head. He's strong. He's too slow um he's had a great start with Bayern and actually I think interestingly he doesn't seem to get as much um support I think or, or not many passes coming in from the wingers and the other forwards Bayern I think he creates a lot of chances for them but seems to have to find his own goals a bit more uh, I think so far he's had three penalties in the eight that he scored in the league so yeah, yeah that's five goals in open play but I don't think really been you know from multiple chances created for him so to speak um, but what a player what what a player and what a start
0: Yeah JP do you think he can surpass uh, Shearer's Premier League record eventually if this buyback clause with Spurs goes ahead at some point Well I'm certainly hoping so Jeff <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah I've got my fingers crossed that it's going to happen um, but no I think In terms of Harry Kane, I think I've noticed the last couple of games, the narrative that commentators now talk about Harry Kane has slightly changed to when he was at Tottenham. I think when he was at Tottenham, I mean, everyone knew he was good and that, you know, he's 25 plus goals a season, but there was always a question around is he going to win a trophy? Could he do it at a top club? Blah, blah, blah. So I feel like there was always a bit of doubt around is he actually a world-class player and since he's gone to buy Munich, and don't get me wrong he's had a blistering start there but he's now come back to the england squad and you've now got commentaries going on almost waxing lyrical about him about how he's now the difference maker within the squad how he's now the best thing since sliced bread and don't get me wrong that i think they're it, it's right like he is a world-class player But the whole narrative around him now has changed because he's now playing for Bayern Munich. And it got me thinking, actually, Harry Kane, Jude Bellingham and, back in the day, Jane Sancho and even Tomori all play abroad. They don't get picked up by the British media so often, but whenever they're abroad and playing well, the whole narrative changes around them about them being these great players. So... I do think, actually, with them being abroad, it probably almost takes the pressure off them a little bit as well. And so, I mean, it's good to see. It's, it's really good to see him, him there and, and, and flying. <laughs>
0: Sky Sports seem to have a permanent reporter lodged in a hotel in Munich with appearing uh, with uh, binoculars, I think. But yeah, that's a side note. <laughs>
1: I mean, I do have a, a new found like for, for Bayern Munich. So I watched their, the highlights against Man, Manchester United and every time they score, they were playing the Can Can song. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. So yeah, I love that.
2: I agree with that as well, JP. I'm finding myself much more interested in Bayern's results and performances, and, you know, particularly Kane. But because of Kane, I'm looking out for their results. I... I really want him to win the Bundesliga. I want him to... You know what? I want him to win the Champions League. I want him to do the whole hog while he's there, come back to England, break Shearer's record, and I think put himself amongst the conversations that I think he should be in. Is he the best player to ever play in the Premier League? No. Um, I'll, I'll outright say that now. He can break Shearer's record and break the assist record alongside it and you know, score 40 in a season. I still personally... Will never be able to take Thierry Henry out of my heart as the greatest player of the Premier League era. JP, I know yours will be probably Ronaldo. Uh, Jeff. Jeff, who would yours be? Actually? Oh Glenn
0: Hoddle. That's no, a joke. That's <laughs> a joke.
2: <laughs> but um
0: I have to think great to
2: that. Him, yeah. Yeah. It would be great to see him to, you know, to achieve as we sort of mentioned before, the club level stuff. And for it to sit alongside his personal accolades, um, I, th- I think he's a class player. I think he's a class act as a person. Seemingly off the pitch, you know, you just there's something about him, and much to the point about Henderson being a leader in the team. Well, why do you need that if you've got someone like Harry Kane, who I think yeah. is much, much of the same, really, to to what Henderson does? But I think he can inspire a group of youngsters, older players, whoever it is, quite nicely. I think he can do it either through performance or through words and actions uh, outside of the pitch. So
0: Definitely a role model, John. I mean, to, to the point that he has only assisted Leroy Sane, do you think he isn't gelling as well as you'd hope? Or is it the case of he's gelling in the same way he did with Son at Spurs? I think...
2: Yeah, I think he hasn't realised that he can pass the players that aren't called Son or Sane or something similar. Um, but that's a very interesting stat. I didn't realise that he'd only did um, Sane. Did you know um,
1: Sane means Son in German?
2: I I, I didn't. <laughs>
1: It, no so, it, it doesn't yeah, he's, he's, yeah, I, <laughs> it's I. I, I
2: was gonna say, mate come on because I, I don't think it does but, um, <laughs> but that was written in the stars too nicely so <laughs> yeah I mean I did I could see Harry Kane trying to learn a bit of German so maybe somebody has told him oh that's the new song and he just yeah sure I'll go for that um, ironically he didn't know what the word for penalty was in German which I just find quite funny considering he's so good at them and uh, absolutely loves taking them. So I wonder what, what it is, is. What is Elfmeter. it? Elf meter. Elf meter, which translates literally, I think, to 11 meter, which is how far out penalty is.
0: Oh, very Some precise and efficient.
2: Much like the German language. It's, you know, uh, and, and I guess much of Germany, but it's, you know. It's a great language and when things like that come about you go of course it's that because what what other word could possibly have been used to describe something 11 metres away from the goal <laughs> yeah I mean it's also very interesting you mentioned about commentators waxing lyrical about his performances and stuff now that he's gone overseas and coming back it, this isn't new and this is what I mean about him Yeah, underrated is probably the wrong word because nobody doesn't rate I think if they do, it probably have some sort of bias. Um, but the way that he's being spoken about, because I've noticed this as well, much is what you said, JP, it's like they've suddenly found some, you know, young unknown player who is suddenly putting in these performances week in, week out. But was a you know, a relative unknown squad team before? He he moved to Bayern having what fifty-eight English goals under his belt. Since then, he scored three in three games. I guess um, fine. It's a good return. It's great. Like, but he'd done it fifty-eight times before he'd gone to Bayern. So this isn't something new. It's Harry Kane. It's what he does.
0: Yeah, certainly nothing new. He yeah still just appears to be as consistent as he ever was. In fact, just to wrap uh, up with the England performance. He has surpassed Bobby Charlton's record um, of goals at Wembley uh, with 24 goals at home, at the home stadium of the, cl- of the country. Yeah, an incredible record. Yeah. And yeah, fitting.
2: That means what, 37 away from home?
0: So um, Yeah, you're the mathematician among us.
2: Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far.
0: Well, was going to ask you about the percentage difference between Anfield's capacity and Al Ittifaq's capacity, which is what, 976 versus 52,000, but uh, misplaced oh, uh, or abacus.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I make that about 2% of the uh, the Anfield stadium. I, I definitely didn't use a calculator either, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, on the fly. On the fly, absolutely.
0: Yeah, so a phenomenal performance so far. They're actually well, the third in the Bundesliga. So there's actually still some, there's still some work to do. They've they've had a couple of losses, as we mentioned in the in the initial league. They lost against Leipzig. And yeah, there, there seems to be. A slightly fluid defence, but in the in a sense, Kane is providing defensive cover. He is the third Englishman to play for them behind Omar Richards and Owen Hargreaves. Who was the first one? Sorry, uh, Omar Richards. Does that ring a bell? That does not ring a bell. No, Omar Richards. Mean- that is that is a pub quiz question. If ever I've heard <laughs> one. Uh, maybe Owen Hargreaves wasn't above that. Yeah, he's. 25 played for them between 2021 and 2022, and is now playing for Olympiacos but is on loan from Forest. Not that I googled any of that; that's all within my brain.
1: <laughs> the football
0: encyclopedia.
2: That, yeah, that's why you're the host, Jeff. Um, well, Owen Hargreaves was one that I think we probably would have all known because of playing for England, United, and whatnot. Uh, but Omar Rich as well. Yeah, pencil that in as the uh, the pub quiz question of the week for you guys <laughs> at home or on your commute in or wherever you may be tuning in from.
0: Yeah, he might be a rival for Lewis Dunk, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I trying think, to get in some think, Brighton banter.
2: Don't worry, I think he's more of a competition for um, Colwell or Trippier at left back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Also, Dunk, Dunk's place in England seems unsecured for some reason, but... We will not go into that one.
1: Yeah, we've been saying that for a while, haven't we, John, for a few years?
0: Yeah, we have. <laughs> the icing's melting off the Dunkin' Donut. Yeah,
2: Not surprised he keeps bashing his head or chest on it.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, Premier League's back uh, on Saturday <laughs> with eight games back, uh, all from 12.30 till 8.00. We're gonna do a review of them next time, but yeah, we've we've done what we can uh, to give Jude and Harry uh, the moment in the sun, uh, as well as looking at, at Jordan Hendo and our famous uh, Pine the Pine segment, which we love. So, yeah, let's conclude for the week. So, yeah, gents, thank you again. Good to see you both.
2: Bye bye. Thank you. Good both. to see you
0: too. And yeah, join us next time in the Two Cents Footy Podcast. Thank you. See you soon.